Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, May 3rd, and I'm excited to announce the relaunch of The Pit Politics in Trucking. We launched this show once before on the Audio Road Network, and it wasn't the success I wanted it to be. What I was really looking for the last time, and this show is all about politics in general, but we'll put a you know an emphasis on politics and how they affect trucking uh, and then the overall economy. The last time I did this show, I was really hoping to get some good conversation going. And I don't necessarily mean just debate, but at least just talking about different sides of the topic. And unfortunately, what happened was the calls I got all completely agreed with what I was saying. That's nice, but it really doesn't get us anywhere. We don't learn a whole lot from that. Um, Nothing wrong with having some calls like that, agree on things, add another point. But there's a lot going on in the country and politics today, and it doesn't seem like we're talking about it at all. We're not talking with each other. We're talking at each other. And I'm even going to talk about a theme I'm seeing right now in politics that I can't explain. And maybe somebody could call and help me out. I've asked for this before. Uh, I really need to hear some people who vote Democratic. And it's next to impossible. I know they listen to my show. I see comments on social media about it. And I've had people say they love the show. They don't agree with my politics, which is fine. I, I enjoy lots of people who don't agree with my politics, whether they're just friends or celebrities or musicians or whatever. I, I don't care what somebody's politics are. That's just a separate part of their life. I don't care what their sex life is either. It doesn't affect me and whether I can be friends with them or whether I can enjoy their talents. We've allowed politics to become much too big a part of our life. And I say that, uh, and I'm involved in politics just about every day, but I, I really try hard not to let it affect every aspect of my life. So I, I would love to hear back. This show going forward If I don't get any calls at all, it doesn't matter. I'm looking at this show as primarily a monologue, a way for me to kind of get my thoughts and ideas on what's going on, uh, and a way to inform you, the listeners in the tribe, of how that may have an impact on us in trucking. And many, many political issues have a big impact on trucking. I really think we do need to pay attention to it if we want to be successful, especially if we're going to run a business in trucking, if we're going to be an owner-operator, a small fleet. We really do have to pay attention to this kind of stuff. And the more you want to grow a business, unfortunately, the more politics become a part of that. So, I realize a lot of people don't want to listen to four different news shows on politics every day. They don't want to read the headlines and the articles. I do. I enjoy it. So I figure once a week I can come in and recap you. It'll just be a pure monologue. I may look at finding a co-host. Sometimes politics is, is a lot more fun when you have some back and forth and it's not just me with my opinions every week because you're going to get plenty of my opinions. 
Uh, like I say, if people want to call, we have open phone lines. You can call and talk about politics as well. Um, some weeks there might be one theme that I stick to, and other weeks I might be all over the board. Today I have notes I'm all over the board, um, primarily because it's my first show, and I want to kind of touch on a lot of areas that uh, I've been watching in politics, and again, I'll go back to this theme. So I'm going to touch on things that I believe politically have gotten considerably worse over the last year. And that's important because we have a new administration. And it was radically different from the last administration. It's not even close. It's not like we had a kind of, you know, right of center president before. Now we have just the left of center president. Now, um, we had some fairly far right policies under the last administration. And now we've gone way the other way. And I'd love to hear from somebody who thinks that that's working because everything I see, it's been a horrible failure. And I I wonder where we're going with this. The other thing that I see talking about having conversations about politics, it seems to me, and yes, this show is going to get very partisan at times. I'm not a registered Republican. I sometimes vote Republican, but I'm you know, registered libertarian, try to vote as libertarian as I can. It's frustrating to be a libertarian. But um, there are times where I'm going to be partisan and I am going to blame a party or a politician or an ideology on what's happening. And that's the case right now. I'm looking at this list of things that I wanted to talk about today. And let me just go through the the big picture. Um, Crime canceling student loan debt, uh, the disinformation governance board, the southern border, um, the possibility of worldwide famine, um, our geopolitical climate. Uh, Let's see, what else? Inflation, um, our energy policies. All of those things to me, based on what I've seen in the last year, the current administration changed policies pretty dramatically right on day one. They told us what they were going to do. They've been telling us for years. The funny thing is when the results come in from these policies and they're not good, then they don't want to admit they ever did this. I can't believe the left is actually telling us that they didn't want to defund the police. Oh, hell yes, they did. They told us over and over and over they wanted to defund the police. And we have it on tape. It's all there. The, the tweets, the video, the, the news shows, it's all there. We can go back and look at it. And yet they will stand there and tell you to your face, no, we didn't do that. We didn't want to defund the police. Yes, you did. You told us many times. That was the left that wanted to do that and did it. And now we see the consequences. Rampant crime. What did we hear about energy policy all throughout the uh, election cycle, the presidential election cycle? We heard from Joe Biden, we will stop fracking. We will stop oil exploration on government lands. We'll stop drilling on, we'll stop issuing permits. They told us that over and over and over. 
and now they claim that has nothing to do with oil prices. Well, of course it does. We were the biggest producer in the world. We were completely energy independent for the first time. So changing those policies clearly led us to where we are today. Why aren't we talking about that? The left just acts like it didn't happen. Oh, no, we didn't do that. When you bring up other policies and what's happening, like, why are we not drilling? Why? Oh, because it's a worldwide oil market. Of course it is. And if we drill more and we become the largest producer again, guess what? That affects the entire worldwide market. Prices will come down. It's supply and demand, stupid. It's really pretty simple, but they just ignore you when you ask about it. When the press asks about it, the only press that seems to, there's a couple news agencies, Fox being the big one, uh, OAN, some of the others, they try to ask these questions at the briefings. They get non-answers. That, that's what, I, and, and I get the same thing when I ask people, like right now, I'd love to hear from somebody who will admit that they're a Democrat, that they vote Democrat, and let's talk about these policies. If there's some other side of this that I'm missing, please tell me what that is. I am honestly very, very confused about what the, the Democrat Party, what their ultimate goal is with this. It seems to me like it's backfiring horribly for them when you look at the polls, and we are getting closer and closer to a midterm election that looks like it could be a total blowout if something doesn't happen. Do, do, does the Democrat Party know something that the rest of us don't? Why would they continue to do something that seems to be so unpopular and so unsuccessful in so many ways? But they just keep ignoring the questions. And the, the issue of censorship between the Democrat Party, the left, and big media. We know it happened. It's still happening. There's some good fights, you know, trying to reverse that, the big one being Elon Musk and Twitter. But basically, if you want to talk about this, you just get silenced. You get deleted. You get canceled. You get censored. I, I, but I don't understand what the big picture is here. What, because if, if this keeps going... Clearly, the Democrats are going to lose power in Washington. They'll have Biden in the, in the seat, but what good's it going to do? He can't do everything by executive order. And I, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose both uh, sides of Congress. I, so I'm, I'm not under, like I said, unless they have some big plan to pull this out before November. Uh, but otherwise, you'd think they would be talking about these issues so we can improve on them. Uh, I do have a couple calls coming in, um, so I will get to those. Don't uh, don't go anywhere. I have a big list of stuff I wanted to talk about here. Let's start with crime. Um, and Portland was just in the news again. Portland had a political rally. It was for a specific candidate, nothing more. No big deal, no big issues, just a little political rally for a Republican candidate. I think it's for governor. Um, we have elections coming up and primaries here in Oregon soon. And 
the rally was disrupted by Antifa. Um, the media didn't really cover this unless you happen to watch Fox. It's about the only one I saw really cover this at all. And they threw smoke bombs. Some people got injured. Why? This is just a, a rally for a candidate. That's how our political system works. We have candidates. We want to hear from them. We need to know what their views are on things. That's what happens at rallies. Why does the other side want to disrupt that? I don't understand the point of that. But here's the bigger picture. And I see a lot of this from the left. It's the, the, a continuation of this theme that they don't want to talk about the issues. They also don't even want to be known. What are they so afraid of? Why, does, why do groups like Antifa and, and Black Lives Matter have to disguise themselves and be anonymous? Why do these hate groups trying to get other people canceled? Why are they anonymous? What are they so afraid of? They're basically cowards. If you believe in your pit political stance, then tell us who you are. I don't, won't take anybody seriously if they can't admit who they are, if they're afraid of being identified. What the hell are you hiding? What are you so afraid of? Why do you want to shut people up? You're afraid of words. What a bunch of cowards. We can't run a country like this. The other thing I'm a little shocked about, and not I'm not unhappy about it, um, the right seems to be pretty well behaved in all this. I'm surprised there hasn't been more fighting and violence, and, and I'm wondering how long that'll last. Because the tactics being used by the left anonymously really are destroying politics in our country right now. I'm wondering when we're going to fight back a little harder on that. I don't think it's all that far off. Right now, I'm glad they're still trying to talk like I am here. Let's just talk about these topics. Why is crime spiraling out of control? And when you ask somebody on the left that, if they answer at all, most of the time you just get a non-answer. I can't even get anybody to address it. But if they answer it, they actually say, oh, no, it's not. They just absolutely deny the facts that are so obvious. It's, it's really kind of frustrating. But again, I wonder what the end game is on that. Um, the other thing, because Portland was one of those cities that absolutely defunded the police, uh, it took 20 minutes. This rally was in downtown. It took 20 minutes for the cops to get there. There's no place in Portland that should take anybody 20 minutes to get to, much less the police in an emergency, a 911 call, people being injured. It took them 20 minutes to get there. M most of my favorite cities on the West Coast, all of my favorite cities are on the West Coast. Well, they used to be. They're not anymore. They've been destroyed. Just run right down the line on the west coast I, seattle was my favorite city of all time i love seattle not anymore i won't go portland's right in my backyard i don't go to portland anymore we used to go almost once a week sometimes in the summer i'm not going down to portland it's a shithole now and honestly it's the left that did that there's no other way to put it and they're getting worse. Forget San Francisco and L.A. and holy cow, the beaches in California. 
overrun with homeless and crime and drugs. We need to talk about it. But for some reason, the left doesn't seem to want to talk about it at all. Um, what else do I want to go on to here? Uh, canceling student loan debt. I would love, 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 love to hear one person somehow justify this. There is no justification for this. This makes no sense. I can't believe the left is for this. The left used to be for the underdog, the little guy. Think about this. Who has student loan debt? People who usually end up in professional careers. So CEOs, doctors, lawyers, professionals, they're usually the ones with student loan debt. They are also the people in higher paying professions. They took the loan. They should pay the damn loan back. But when you forgive it, you're making the people who didn't go to college pay for their college education. That's disgusting and sick. Why are we doing this? Why are we putting this debt that somebody voluntarily took on, they borrowed the money, they got the education, they now have that job or career, or they don't, that's their issue. Why should anybody else be made to pay that money back? Certainly not the people at the bottom of our economy, but that's who you're putting this burden on. Why does... I have yet to hear one single reason why this is a good idea. If we wanted to just redistribute wealth, there's an, there are people that deserve it a whole lot more than people with student loan debt. But honestly, I'm just not for redistributing wealth like this at all. It's a really, really scary road to go down. I, you know, another... We're talking trillions again if they actually forgive all of the student loan debt. And honestly, maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of this issue than I, than, I don't know. I, to me, this may be the single worst political decision decision I've heard of in a very, very long time. And yet, can't get anybody to explain why this might be a good idea. I, the only thing I've heard at, at, at a really poor attempt to explain it is because college costs too much. Well, there's another backward thinking process. One of the, the biggest reason college costs so much is because of the student loan issue. Why in the world do we loan $100,000 or more sometimes to an 18 or 19 year old to go to college. Why do we do that? You, nobody else would loan them any money to do anything else. They won't loan you that kind of money to go into business. Not even close. You can't uh, try borrowing money to go into business when you're young and inexperienced. The reason college costs so much is because the government just keeps handing out money to people who want to go to college. Now those people don't want to pay it back. Too bad. Suck it up, cupcake. You borrowed the money. You pay it back. 
Don't put it on the backs of people who didn't get that money and who didn't get that opportunity and who didn't go to college or the people who did, but they sacrificed and paid their own damn money back the way it should be. The Disinformation Governance Board. Holy cow, I can't even believe we're talking about this. This is straight out of... 1984 and Atlas Shrugged and the Ministry of Truth. I, I, I honestly, I thought this was a joke the first time I heard it. I thought this has to be the Babylon Bee. This has to be satire. This cannot be for real. We cannot possibly have a board that that tells us what is disinformation and what isn't. I could do an entire show on this one topic alone. There's a very, very big reason why the First Amendment is the First Amendment. And yes, they're free speech absolutist. Isn't that the only form of free speech there is? If it's somehow controlled by somebody else, it's no longer free speech. We don't need to argue about who's right or wrong. That's not the point of any of this. As an American, you're allowed to be as wrong as you want and still say it without repercussions, without being censored, without being deleted. Now, I will separate what the government does from what private companies do. But if we want to give private media companies like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or any of these, if they have the ability to censor, then they should be held responsible for every piece of information that's on their site as though they were a publisher like a newspaper. That's how it should work. One way or the other, you can't have both. It's either total free speech and you don't censor anybody, you're a platform for content, or If you want to censor and control what is said on your platform, you're now a publisher and you should be held responsible for what's on there and you should not have any kind of an exemption from being sued for what's on your platform. One way or the other, pick. You don't get to have it both ways. When it comes to the government, no censorship whatsoever. And the government should not be allowed to work with these platforms to censor people and cancel people and and delete people. And we know that they do. And I, I can't believe they have the balls to announce this kind of a board. And then to put, you know, Miss TikTok Julie Andrews in there singing about disinformation just makes it more bizarre who is this woman? And the fact that Mayorkas yesterday said she's neutral? Oh my God, she, that'd be like calling me neutral. I'm not neutral. I have very strong opinions. You can't put me on a board like that. Then you shouldn't. A board like this shouldn't even exist because we can't trust any one or any group of human beings to to figure out what's disinformation. I don't care if it's disinformation or if it's wrong. It's an opinion most of the time. If you're not adult enough and intelligent enough to listen to all the different opinions and make up your own mind, then I'm sorry. 
But I don't want any human being in the government to have that kind of power over us. I, I hope more and more people start talking about this. Let, uh, what else do I have here? The southern border. Holy cow. Or the lack of a southern border. We don't have a border anymore. Come on over. People are dying every day. There's videos now of, of people drowning trying to come across that border because it's such a free-for-all. Here's another one I could do a whole show on. I may, I may take some of these topics and do a whole show on them. I'm just trying to to get through, since it's the first episode, get through all the things I've been wanting to talk about on this. Um I'm reading an awful lot of articles. They're not really making the mainstream except now and then about a potential worldwide famine. All of these policies have consequences. Elections have consequences. One of the scariest things I've heard world wars are scary. We've been certainly flirting with that idea lately, but even more scary than that worldwide famine. Bad things happen when people don't have enough food. Really bad things happen when people don't have enough food. If you think I'm being overly dramatic about this, I don't think so. If we don't get a handle on our food supply and our farming and a lot of other things, we are going to look at hungry, desperate people. And that's a really, really bad thing. Um, Again, I could do uh, I could do a whole show on a lot of these topics. Um, how would we ever fix this? Honestly, right now, I don't know. Uh, you know, when your party is the one that's not in power, you think if you just get them in power, that'll solve everything. I, I don't see that. Um, clearly, I think the uh, Democrat Party has gone off the rails. I, I, I can't understand it. They don't respond to anything. They don't explain anything. So it's hard to think anything else. I'd love to hear from somebody who can make heads or tails or some sense and justify what this administration and what our blue states and our blue governors, what they're thinking with all these policies. Just, just give me an explanation of, of why this could possibly be a good idea, any of these things. What we really need, and I I don't see how we're ever going to get it, unfortunately, is a a third party that isn't an extreme of one of the other two parties. What I mean by that is it's almost like we have a third party. The progressives in the Democrat Party are so far left, it's like a whole new party. But honestly, and I know conservatives and Republicans don't like to think this about their own party, but the Tea Party was probably too far right for the average American. That's not what we need at this point. I don't think we need those extremes. And I'm not saying I don't agree with some of those policies. I do, some of them. The fiscal policies, the small government policies, I agree with those. The social policies, no. I'm not anywhere near the right on most social policies. Fiscal policies in government, yes. But what we need now, I think, is some sort of a return to center a little bit till we can get the country back on the right track, get people talking again. And then I I would love to see the Libertarian Party grow, but um, that's certainly wishful thinking. All right. um, 
let's see. I do have more to talk about, but I actually have a lot of calls. I'm actually uh, surprised. Oh, oh, one more thing. I got to talk about this story because if I don't talk about it now, I'll probably scratch it off my list. But I thought this was hilarious. Um, if you remember when Trump was president, he did an interview, I think it was with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes. And he was talking about one of his topics, might have been the election, um, might have been the Russia hoax, I forget which one it was. But Leslie Stahl stopped him several times, interrupted him and said, this is 60 Minutes You can't talk about that because we can't verify it. We don't talk about things on this show that aren't true, that we can't verify. And Trump would say, well, I have proof. And she just kept shutting him down and saying, no, this is 60 minutes. You can't talk about things that we can't prove. And she was kind of arrogant about it. There was a recent episode of 60 Minutes where they spent 13 of their 60 minutes on this topic. That would be one full segment. You have roughly four segments in an hour media show. They spent one entire segment on something called bird truthers. I wonder if they verified this because they're 60 minutes. They're not going to talk about things they can't verify. But this guy went on for 13 full minutes. And here's what they believe. Here's the number they picked, 12 billion birds. The government, according to these bird truthers, and this was on 60 Minutes, the government, they believe the government has killed, exterminated 12 billion birds. The birds are all gone. And you look out the window and you go, oh, no, they're not. There's a robin. Oh, no, look, there's a whole flock of birds right there. Yeah, but you don't understand those aren't real birds. Those are government drones spying on you. That's what these bird truthers believe. All 12 million billion, 12 billion birds have been exterminated. They've been replaced by government drones that are spying on you. And 60 Minutes actually took an entire segment to talk about that. I, 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 I feel like I'm living in the twilight zone sometimes. All right, we, um, we're going to get to some calls because I've got calls lined up. So let's find out what's on people's mind. We're going to get started in Pennsylvania. Doug, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. Breeze. Ah, Breeze. Ah, man, oh, man. I got a little wound up there. Just a little. Uh, I'm calling regarding the uh, recent leak, quote-unquote leak, of the preliminary opinion of the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade. Not calling to debate the legality or morality of Roe v. Wade. More so, the leak. My opinion is it was definitely leaked by the office of some member of Congress, don't know who, don't care who, as a purely political move. Because now it will give the left the ammunition that they need to push harder for expanding and subsequently packing the Supreme Court to get their way. 
Uh, I don't doubt that. That's probably one of the reasons. I also believe that they that this is going to be a fight. This is. I have to believe that abortion has been the hottest political topic my entire lifetime. Um, I think the decision came down when I was ten. Uh, Roe v. Wade, I think, was seventy-two or seventy-three. I think it was nine or ten when it happened. Um, it, it's been the biggest single political issue consistently in my lifetime, and now I think it's about to get very, very contentious. Uh, which is fine. Let's have that debate. I, I actually believe it should be a state's right issue. This isn't a federal government issue. I, I agree with their what it looks like their ruling is going to be is the federal government should not have a decision or a law about this at all. This should be handled at the state level. This isn't having an abortion isn't some God given right. I mean, that's what our the Bill of Rights and our Constitution is about. It's not about what the government can do. It's more about what the government can't do. They can't take away certain rights from you. Abortion is not one of those rights. So when we have issues like that, I just believe they should be decided at the state level. That allows people to kind of pick and choose. What what state do you want to live in? Do you want to live in states that allow abortion or don't you? And so when we go back to the way our government was set up originally, I I really think it was brilliant. And I think if we want to make our country better, we need to keep moving closer and closer to that. But we're heading in the other direction. Like you, I think the bigger story here is not Roe v. Wade or their decision. It's the fact that it was leaked. And I really hope they figure out who leaked this and prosecute them. As do I. And just a quick suggestion for a periodic guest on the pit, Larry Wingett. Uh, Larry is completely retired. I talked with Larry about um, coming on a couple months ago about a topic I really wanted to get his opinion on. And we had a nice conversation, but he said, Kevin, if I do it at all, I'll never get retired. He said, I'm just he says, I've got a couple things, commitments I'm winding down. He said, but I'm just not accepting anything new. God bless him. Yeah. I hope he it, enjoys his retirement. Yeah, he would have been a, uh, honestly, if he wasn't retired, I would actually, I would ask him to be the co-host of this show. That, I would have loved that. <laughs> Yeah, I would have loved to just just do a political show once a week with Larry. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be politics either. It can just be kind of life issues. Um, and I'll do that on this show, even though it's politics, it'll Life primarily be politics. Sense. Yeah, it, it'll, I, I mean, we might talk about, you know, our education system. Um, why don't we teach kids more practical things? And, and why do the schools actually fight back against ideas like that? But Larry would have been an awesome co-host for this, but uh, I'm hoping he's really enjoying his retirement. He earned it. Absolutely. And I'll step aside so you can get other callers. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to BC this time. Murray, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? I, uh, well, I have an answer for where it's all headed and why. Okay. Hey, let me, let me, picture, let me forewarn you. I, I, probably will agree with a lot of what you say. I've thought about this quite a bit. There's still always that little nagging doubt back there. It's like 
yet we can come up with these ideas that sound logical, certainly seems like that's probably, how do we prove any of this stuff? That's what seems to be making me a little crazy. Well, uh, I don't know about proving, but, but what I heard said once is, is future events are best predicted by past events. And if you, <laughs> the simplest explanation I could come up with is read the Communist Manifesto. The Canadian government and the American government are, are running that book play by play. It sure seems like it. Page by page. It, 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 and that's, and, and, and the, the left wing um, does not have an, an end agenda. If you, if you compare between left and right, the, the left wing doesn't have an end game. They only want more. More of your money, more control, more of your time, more, more. And there is only ruling class and everyone else. The right, however, is only interested in fair treatment of others, including themselves. And, and they have an end game. If you take a look at the extreme right, the extreme right wants us to go back to when, when the, the Constitution was written by, by the framers. And, and that'd be great, but let's face it, in today's society, we'll never get there. Let me make a comment about that, because I just absolutely praised the the foundation of our government, the the way it was written and structured, because I think it's an amazing thing. But I can also see where it wasn't perfect, and in a pretty big way, and I'm all for making it better. And we can say this, that it was a very patriarchal society. It was a very white patriarchal society. I get that. I can admit that. I'm not trying to rewrite history. Clearly, white males dominated most of our country from the very beginning. Women weren't allowed to vote. Minorities weren't allowed to vote. We treated different groups of people differently. I couldn't... I can't say strong enough how wrong that is. Not only is it wrong, it's not good for us as a country. We would have been even better. I mean, we, we have an amazing story. The, the United States lifted more people out of poverty and, and contributed more to the health and welfare of people around the world than probably any other government or country. But it could have been even better. One of the things that made us such a great country is that we were a melting pot. We didn't treat all those people very well. Every group that came over here was harassed. There's, you know, derogatory names, and we know that's our history. Well, let's fix that. Let's make that part better. But that doesn't mean we have to throw out the whole system. Let's take the parts of the system that really, really worked, which is freedom of speech, you know, those basic, you know, let, let's get rid of all these government departments that are run by people that we did not elect and they have way too much power. Let's get rid of those things. But let's, let's truly make it, and I almost hate to use this word, but let's make it more inclusive. Everybody should have a say and a voice, and we will be better for it. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I couldn't agree more. I never, I never said the framers had it perfect. No, no, of course not. They right. probably, pro- probably, 
probably the best idea in history, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be improved on. And you hit on exactly all the points that need to be improved on. Um, the Canadian side is further down the line, a good deal further down the line than the American side. But our prime minister's father, when he was in power back in the day, he was quoted in the media saying that we will, and now he was a card carrying member of the communist party. And he said in the media, um, we will take over this country one day and we will not fire a shot. And a few years ago I was put wise, like I said, to, to the communist manifesto. And sorry, I'm a bit distracted here trying to maneuver into spot. Um, and, and if you read the communist manifesto, I have. It will explain you're right. everything. I know. And the, you're, you're right. And, and it explains. And, and it's sad to say, but that's that's because the left doesn't have an end game. Their game is more, and that's all they want: more of your more control, more of your money, cradle to grave or grave to uh, cradle to grave. You know, I, I guess this is where I struggle because I. I understand the elite and the ruling class why they want more i mean it makes total sense they have they already have all kinds of stuff all kinds of money all kinds of power just all kinds of control over things i get why they want more what i don't understand is we're a democracy we get to vote for our leaders we're a republic i get that but we can refer to it as a democracy as well um i i don't understand the voters Except maybe we are truly at, yeah, I I have a feeling I'm kind of thinking along the same lines as you are. Um, And this is where I struggle because no matter how hard I try, I can't think like this. So I have a hard time believing there's that many other people in the country who do think like this. I, I think it's all about the stuff they get from the government. We're going to pay back your student loan. We're going to make college free. We're going to pay for your rent for two years and give you more money to stay at home than when you were working. I I, I guess I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that that appeals to anybody. Do do they not understand that when, when any other person or group gives you those things that they now control you and they can take them away and they can do all kinds of really bad things. And the longer you allow them to do that, the worse this gets. No matter how hard I try, I can't think like that. But that's that's the problem is that you have people who have come from third world countries and not to disparage them. Some of them are my best friends and I love them dearly. Don't get me wrong, but you have people that come from other countries where they had no social programs and then they come here and we have great social programs and they think it comes for free because nobody stops to think past the nose on their face anymore. Nobody stops to think politics and that nothing comes for free somebody paid for it i I think i found a place where you and i can not totally disagree but i want to push back a little on that idea that does happen there's no doubt i think it's worse that 
the longer somebody has been in this country, the longer their family has been in this country, I tend to find they're much worse at this. They have that entitlement mentality that they just deserve all of this stuff. On the other hand, I do see immigrants coming in from other parts of the world that only want one thing out of this country, an opportunity. Those are the kind of people we need. You know, I was just watching uh, Shark Tank last night, and there were a couple great examples of this. People who came from other countries. One was born in Korea, born in Korea, still fairly young, came over here, became a very successful trader on Wall Street, took the money that he made on Wall Street, bought into a food truck that he ate at for lunch, a food truck. Now, it was one of the biggest offers I've ever seen on Shark Tank. They were... They were throwing around numbers like five and six million. They were going to invest into this Korean food truck because now they have like, I don't know, 120 restaurants around the country. It's an awesome success story. I see a lot of that. People who come from other countries here and all they want is an opportunity. That's all any of us should want. And that's how our government should be structured. Don't give us stuff. Give us opportunities. And and to that point, I would I would move there in less than a heart in a New York second if if they'd have me. But the American government doesn't want hard work and business people. Exactly, they want people they control. Yeah, and and they can promise them stuff for votes. That's why the southern border is wide open, and the northern border truck drivers still have to have a jab just across it. How insane is that? You know. It's it's funny you should. Make, I, I I I was listening. I don't know whether it came off of your pro, program or somebody else's, but there was a couple of American carriers, uh, Garda Wine uh, in the Midwest there, and a couple of others that were hiring uh, immigrant workers from Africa and I think Asia. There was a few countries they were they were importing people from, and I called them and I said I have nearly 30 years of tanker experience. I have mountain and highway and, and, and super trains. And I have millions of miles under my belt. <laughs> Accident incident free. I would be a catch. Yes, and I, you, and I don't say yes. to be arrogant. I, no. Forgive me if it sounds arrogant. But, it doesn't. But, it doesn't at all. But, and I called him, I said, I said, so you'll have all these guys from Africa that couldn't drive an, a, a stick shift to save their life, much and, less and may not a speak the language or heavyweight. Right. And yet you won't have me. And they said, no, we won't hire. We can't. can't. She actually said, we can't, we can't hire can't. anyone right. from England or Canada. Right. Right. We just, years uh, and years ago, we, we talked about, we wanted to hire Dale Howard and bring him to the States. He's been a part of our company and our organization for years, and we would love to have him on the team, and we can't. We can't hire him. Yeah. Oh, trying to get him down there is just there are there is a way that I could do it, and I actually wanted to to, to talk to you about that at one point. Uh, I could get an E two visa, which is a business visa. It allows me to expand my business into the U.S. Uh, but I have to invest a hundred thousand dollars in equipment and infrastructure. And I have to have a five year plan in which I would, um, hire three existing American people 
and grow my business to, to that point within five years. Um, but that still doesn't give me a path to citizenship. <laughs> right. it, it, if I can yeah. renew it, it but, but and here's, I can build this business and hire Americans, but I can't become a it, citizen myself. Here's a flaw with that policy. I, I am all for allowing new citizens. When I talk about the southern border being wide open, it's not. I don't want to stop any of those people from coming here. I want them to come here. We need them. We need more people. People are some of the best resources a country can have. But you need to be somewhat picky. You need to have a system. And I'm not saying that everybody who comes here needs to have money and a business plan or a college degree. We need workers, too. We need labor. So they can come in from all walks of life, all skill levels, but there has to be a system and there has to be some control. And that's what we've lost. We're, and again, you know, without going down the conspiracy theory road, the only, there's only two, I guess, three possibilities for why the Democrat party is allowing what's happening on the border. And then they act like it's not happening. They actually, Mayorkas actually said, sat there and, and testified before Congress that we have the southern border under control. Uh, where is Mary Poppins? Um, she should be arresting him for one of the biggest lies ever. Talk about disinformation. Mary Poppins needs to slap the handcuffs on that guy. Um, if we're going to have a disinformation board, they should be doing their job. That was a lie. It was a bald-faced lie. There is no control. So you, you have to start believing they're either completely incompetent. I don't believe that for a second. These are intelligent people. I mean, we can make fun of politicians all we want, but you don't become a senator or a congressman without having some brains and working at it pretty damn hard. None of that comes easy. So you can't say they're just incompetent. Well, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, Kevin. Well, I know. I'm not but sure. I'm, I got elected. Well, yeah, but... Well, that's true, but he got elected 49 years ago and nobody's ever thought to get rid of him. That's the only problem there. Um, Sorry, so, I'm just being... No, I, I, I get it, and I don't disagree. Um, so they're not incompetent. We know that. There, if we're talking about just the southern border, we could say, well, maybe they're just really, really compassionate and they believe that, you know, you have to help everybody. Um, that may be, it, that could be the case. I, I kind of doubt it, but it, it could be. And if it is, they need to learn the concept of tough love because you can do more damage to people by being overly compassionate to them than you can by holding people accountable and making them become better. And we need systems to do that. We're not doing that. We're just allowing anybody to get whatever they need or want, or, you know, we're just handing stuff out that does more damage to people than anything. So if they truly are compassionate, they need to get their head out of their ass because they're hurting an awful lot of people under the name of compassion. Then there's the third possibility, which seems like the most likely, and that is they are looking at the polls. They may very well have miscalculated horribly. They may have believed that they had a lot more support with American voters on their policies than they truly have. The polls now point out the fact that many, many Democrats don't agree with what they're doing. I wish some of them would call me so we could at least talk about it, but they don't for whatever reason. So now 
everything they've proposed is really a way to get a new a, a voter base in here because they know they're losing theirs. Well, and, and if I might mention the reason you can't get Democrats to call and, and maybe this will piss one of them off and they'll actually pick up the phone and grow up there. But the reason you can't get Democrats to call is because they don't have an answer. I cannot count the number of times I have gone to the mat on an, on, on a topic with a Democrat and I will back myself up with stats and numbers and figures and dates and times and, and all that sort of thing. And yet when you look and when you stop talking, you look at them and they'll say, well, no, that's not true. It's not like that. No. Okay. Why isn't it like that? Tell me why it's not like that. They don't have an answer. You can't ask the question. Why? My favorite question. You can't ask it because nobody answers it. Here's what I'm hoping. Here's what I'm hoping that at some point, if they truly disagree with their own party, they'll just admit that. And say, look, our party's gone way too far out of bounds. I don't agree with them anymore. And then either say, I'm going to vote for an independent. I'm going to vote for a moderate Republican if I have to. Or I have this candidate who is a Democrat, but he's different. Here's what I, I don't even hear that, though. It's just like the, the voter base of the Democrats have gone completely silent. And it's nothing but the the party itself and big media where are the damn voters well i think what's happened with the voters is they're seeing the policies that are happening from the left and they're scared to death that they voted for these people and now they don't want to admit that they voted for these people and they might turn their vote around on the next election but I hope between so. now and then you're stuck still got two and a half years i hope so too but we watched them reelect our idiot and and I, I worry that, that if he keeps letting all the left wingers in that life that like all the social programs and all the third world countries that like all the social programs, we, that's how you buy votes. You know what? I don't even think it's it's right to call them left wingers. I, I don't think they have an opinion about politics. I don't think they certainly don't most of them don't understand our politics. They're just here for the free stuff. They're here for but here's here's the thing. They're here for the opportunity because they realize we still have incredible opportunities. But on top of that, they get a whole bunch of free stuff. Why wouldn't you come? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like how that's how you buy votes. Yeah. And who, and if you're one of those people that's getting the free stuff and the opportunity to boot, who are you going to vote for? Of course. You're not going to vote for the guy that says we're giving away too much. We need to, you know, strip some of that off of you and, and take that back. Well, Government never takes anything back. No. They only take it away. Yeah, this whole disinformation board is scary. We need to shut it down quicker. It will never go away. And here's what will happen. And I don't like this either. If this board stays, whatever party is in power will put their rules and their people in place of it. I don't want the Republicans to have a board like this. Hell no. That would be a little overly conservative, yeah. But that's all we're going to see. If this board stays and and we get a conservative government in, they'll just assign their people to that board and they'll be silencing people. It's wrong no matter which side does it. Yeah. Anyway, Kevin, I have taken enough of your time and I'm sure your lines are backed up. We could go on and on and on for many, many hours. We'll we'll be able to do it (laughs) once a week. So I will look forward to talking to you again. Let's go to Iowa this time. Matt, welcome to the program. 
Oh, let me see if I did that right. Let me try it again. There we go. Matt, oh, welcome. Now I heard the beep. There it is. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, first, just a couple of funny things aside. I've seen uh, advertisement for T-shirts for sale. Make 1984 fiction again. <laughs> I like that. I may have to get one of those. Oh, my God. I may have to go back and read that book again, too. <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of years. Yeah. I know I did read it a second time, but it's probably been oh, over five years since the second time. But um, the whole disinformation thing, that, that could be good. We could lose all the news, everything. Nobody would be able to report anything, and we wouldn't have all these distractions. You know, as crazy as it sounds... Every news channel right now is putting out disinformation. Of course. Of course. all the government, you know, get rid of the FDA. I mean, they all have to be shut down. Yes. Yeah. I I agree. It's... uh, I just can't even believe... You know, over the years, we've talked about things like this. We've brought up the book 1984 at times, and Atlas shrugged and said, boy, things are really starting to look. But nothing close to what we're going through right now. I never thought it would happen so fast. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I can't explain it either. Oh, one other thing I thought of, too, the, uh, the uh, birds... The drones, they <laughs> yeah. got really, really good at them because they're shitting on my stuff still in my shed. <laughs> exactly. And they built a nest, and I knocked it, I knocked it down, and there were some eggs in there. Oh, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty high tech on, they, on these drones. <laughs> can, can you believe 60 minutes? <laughs> spent 13 minutes with this guy. Yeah. So, uh, the main reason for my call, the... Uh, Student loan debt. Oh, oh. So, I guess, you know, some parts that I could agree with what they're arguing about is some of the loans are predatory. That, you know, people didn't understand what they were signing up for, these young kids. Which, I, I don't disagree with that. Although, that's the whole point of becoming an adult and signing a contract. But... If the problem is these kids are getting taken advantage of, isn't the first step to shut the program down? Yes, and it's also what is what has driven college costs through the roof because you give 18 and 19-year-old kids tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars for just one thing. We won't give them that kind of money for anything else. We never trust them to pay that back as a business loan. And, and the government guaranteeing it, isn't business just as good for our economy as a college education? Many would argue that it's better. Our, our country runs off of small business, and a lot of small business people don't have a college education. But here's another thing. Let's go back to what you said. If this is true, the kids don't understand it. Well, first of all, whose fault is that? The government runs our entire education system. If if we have nineteen year olds that are too stupid, go ahead. 
sizes, yeah, they, they weren't taught very well before they turned 18 then. Exactly. We've already had them for 12 years. We couldn't teach them about something as basic as this. We couldn't teach them a little bit of financial literacy. Why not? But let's throw that aside because we can't go back and change that. Anybody with a couple of brain cells to rub together has to understand that you only learn from your lessons when there are consequences, negative consequences. That's when you'll learn something. If I make a stupid mistake and sign this loan that I should have never signed, I got the college education. I now have the job that that college education got me. If we wipe out their debt, they learn absolutely nothing except maybe I, I should go try to do it again. Well, yeah, and the part that makes no sense to me is that I don't know the exact numbers. You know, so much has changed over the last couple of months. But at one point, it was like $10 billion they were going to wipe out. <clears throat> but at the same time, in the same year, they're going to write an additional three or $400 billion in loans. Yeah. yeah. I'm and- throwing $10 billion at a problem. You're going to add $300 billion doing the same year. You know something else that um, I I don't want to get into because I'd probably have to do a whole show on it because most people don't even understand this whole concept or that it happens or and the numbers are actually mind boggling. Like I can't even get my head around the numbers, so I'd have to do a lot of research. And but in in general, um, colleges have what are called endowment funds, and you know the big elite Ivy League colleges have huge endowment funds with hundreds of millions or billions of dollars sometimes. And that money's just sitting there. The colleges could wipe out all of this debt if they wanted to, and it would barely phase them. That's how much money they all have collectively because they are way, way, way overcharging for their education because the government gives everybody money to go do it. The whole system sucks. Well, it, it, it wraps around everything else. It's supply and demand. When the demand for colleges goes up because everybody can just get the money with no, yep. no repercussions, no proof of anything, it just drives up the demand, so the price goes up. Yep. And yeah, as long as as long as anybody can walk into any bank and the government's going to back them and say, "Give them this loan," without any proof, they're going to keep writing the loans. Colleges are going to keep raising their prices, and we end up where we are now, where they're now going to ask the poorest part of our society to pay back the debt from the more privileged part of our society. When when in history would the left, the Democrats, have ever been for something like that? Never. What happened? And uh, so just talking about poor and all that, I've been listening to a lot more Dave Ramsey stuff again since I got back into podcast after your show ended. Yeah. (laughs) Serious. Yeah. his uh, latest book and I'm assuming these details research was done probably like pre-COVID um, 
you know, obviously inflation and numbers have gone way up since then. But when we start talking about the rich and the gap in between and, you know, the top 1%, the top 5%, his numbers, when you start talking about it worldwide, the, the, what is it, the poverty level in the United States still puts you in the top 3% of the world. That's another interesting way of looking at all this. Yeah, we, we are so out of whack with what we think is poverty. Um, most of the people who are homeless in our country, most of them are not homeless because of, uh, yeah, they are better off. That's the really scary thing. Um, but they're not homeless because of the economic conditions in this country. It's not because jobs don't pay enough and rent's too high. Uh, Many, many, many people overcome all of those things. They always have. We have a homeless problem because we have a drug problem. That's really what this is. The, The majority of those people, yeah, some of them have mental illnesses, but those mental illnesses are made far worse because almost all of them tend to be on drugs. That, that's our homeless crisis is really a drug crisis, and, and we need to address that, and there's lots of things we could be doing better, but this is not an economic thing. We are still a wildly successful country when it comes to money and taking care of people and having opportunities. So you're, you're right. When you start comparing it to the living conditions in the rest of the world, we should all wake up very, very thankful every day, no matter how much of a mess we think our country is. Yeah, so it's forty-four thousand U.S. dollars a year is the top one percent of the world. Wow! And I think it was eleven thousand dollars. It puts you in the top five percent of the world. So forty-four thousand puts you in the top one percent, and we're now paying truck drivers a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yep. Um, and yeah, there was another caller several weeks back recommended the book um the moral case for fossil fuels i i i heard this. it's a really good book by the way yep yeah i uh i listened to it right away and uh in there that's more updated than one i'd heard years ago but still to this day and that book might have been i didn't look at the year but i'm guessing that's five six seven years old already seems about that somewhere yeah. in there yeah 2000 12, 13, with some years he mentioned, um, 1.3 billion people on this planet live without electricity. Wow. Wow. That's, that's hard to get your head around. And, you know, I've read all the, you know, apocalyptic books and, you know, the, you know, an EMP is going to wipe us out. And, and, and the estimates from the government, the estimates are if a true EMP happened, a nationwide EMP where it shut down transportation and electric and all that, um, their prediction, uh, and they have, they, when you read through it, it all kind of makes sense. We could potentially lose 90% of the, of the population of our entire country if that happened in the first 12 months. We wouldn't be able to live or survive. And yet, 1.5 billion people around the world do just fine without electricity. Well, And I don't mean they do just fine, but they survive. They live. They've been doing it forever. Uh, and yet, we've become so weak that it would destroy us. 
and that was the first thing I thought about last Friday, I believe it, when you opened, talking about the uh, Department of Homeland Security and all the weapons they weapons and ammunition they have. Yeah. With this disinformation stuff. Uh, and I'm not going to get the exact book right, which edition it was, but Angry American, or just a American, um, probably Revenging Home is the one where they have the as a rebel group. Yes. Because the uh, Department of Homeland Security is trying to overthrow them. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, um, I I wish... Very good book. I wish that author would come back and write another series because that was my favorite of all of them. Yeah, every one of his books is something about home. Something home, yeah. Uh, The whole series, yeah, starts starts out walking home or or something to that. And... and if I remember Depending right, home. if I remember right, the main character that had to walk home was a truck driver, wasn't he? Um, he was ex-military. I guess I don't know if he was a truck, but it, it takes place in Florida too. In the whole, I know the area very well. Drove through it, you know, a thousand times. Just just north of Orlando. Oh Utah, yeah. Yep. North of Apopka up there. Yeah, I'm very so, familiar you know, with it. Yeah. Back in the day, that's, yeah, it's just the area we're talking about in the book was all familiar. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I think if I remember right, the very, very beginning of the the walking home story, he was, that's why he wasn't in Florida. If I remember right, he was a truck driver and he ended up walking back to florida that's the first part of the book or if he wasn't a truck driver um, truck drivers played a big part in the very beginning of it yeah so no he was in his car was he, he was, okay yeah but oh, so there was a character that was a truck driver that's what it was he maybe that's what it guy, was yeah and that that was the guy that was farming and butchered the pigs and raised the pigs oh yeah okay he was that's the truck right driver. yeah that's that's what it was but yeah, yep, there was a there was a truck driver involved in the in the story. Yeah, so you know now, what do you think about uh, this talk of worldwide famine? I don't know. I was just reading something the other day about all the different meat processing plants that have shut down, smaller, medium sized ones, over the last year. What about this? It just makes no sense to me. So what about this other story? I need to go do some research on this. So the only reason this even caught my attention, there's so much going on, um, was because we just formed a partnership with Azure Standard um, just a couple months ago. And we've kind of delayed rolling it out because of everything that's happened and everything we have to do. But I've had several conversations with the owner uh that company started right here in oregon they're nationwide now and and, um what caught my attention was one of their plants burned to the ground well that's pretty unusual i mean that doesn't happen a lot and then i happen to see a story where four major natural food companies of some sort processing plants whatever it might be but they tended to be more along the natural regenerative lines like azure um i saw an article that four of them have burnt down yesterday um somebody posted on both tribes a map that shows like 
20 or 30 food processing plants of some kind that have had some sort of a shutdown or a fire or is this for real i, I i'm gonna have to go do That's some digging i, I, I want to verify some of this before i talk about it because I, I probably the same post i've seen that yeah it just it's almost unbelievable it, it's kind of reminds but, me of the stories of the athletes dropping dead on the field and i kept seeing those reports and thinking oh come on this can't be real but when i went to do the research it was i'm almost afraid to go do the research about this yeah. well and the other you know big talk with this on the famine side more worldwide than the u.s is ukraine because they are what's considered the breadbasket of Europe. They, they actually probably outproduce the United States when it comes to agriculture. I think like 30-some um, percent of the world's grain comes from there. That's a lot to come from one country. Yeah. Yep. And an interesting, funny story I just read the other day. Um, there's a John Deere dealership. I don't know the names of the towns in Ukraine. And, you know, the Russians have control of that area, so they stole all the equipment. Loaded it on train, loaded it on trucks, brought it back. Well, you know, all new equipment is computer and satellite controlled. John Deere got a hold of all the, uh, you know, the pin numbers of what got shipped there. Shut all the computers down. Oh. They got them back to Russia. Can't start a single one of them. Oh, man. You don't even think of stuff like that. But Russia plays another role in this. I never realized American yeah. farmers get a lot of their fertilizer from Russia. Yep. And that's the big thing. You know, this whole don't buy Russian oil is way more complicated than what people realize. So, you know, we have the light, sweet crude here in the United States, and um, even a lot of OPEC and all that is light, sweet crude. Russia has the largest supply of the heavy, sour crude. And for certain products, you need that. Well, I guess one of the, there's like three chemical fertilizers, and I can never remember the names of them that we use in, you know, industrial farming. Um, one of those is derived from natural gas somehow. So with Russia shutting down production and not selling natural gas to other European countries, the fact that we've shut down our production and fracking of things like natural gas and other products means we can't produce those fertilizers either. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago we did make it all here. I know. Yeah, well, it's been thirty years, but it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, I don't know where the world's going, but it. Uh, I guess it gives us a uh, interesting ride. I guess it gives us plenty to talk to, Madam, and I cut you loose. I also see we've got uh, we've got Bruce joining us. Bruce, welcome back. Hello, Kevin. Hey I've there. been here. Uh, hour and 15 minutes so it's it really good <laughs> well you can tell i wasn't even looking at the board or the calls i've just been wandering around talking to myself <laughs> anyway i had a dinner party and two other couples were there and the one guy we're just getting to know he's retired veterinarian 
sold his practice at age 52. And uh, so the other fellow was there as a talking about Trump and his veterinarian said, yeah, but he was friends with Putin. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, did you ever see what Abraham Lincoln said? Do I not destroy or am I not destroying my enemies by making them my friends? It's a good way of looking right? at so things. Friends don't fight. Yeah. Yeah. So Abraham Lincoln was right and Trump was right. Trump made Kim Jong-un and Putin his friend. You take your two biggest enemies and make them your friends. I wish he would have taken them to Mar-a-Lago and wine and dine them and played golf and everything else and made them a really good friend because that's the way it should be. If all the leaders in this world were friends, there would be no wars. You, you know what, though? He also, I mean, he didn't like give in or capitulate to him. Just because he went over, he met with him, he talked with him, he negotiated with him, he still called him Rocket Man. I mean, and that was used as a derogatory term. So it wasn't like he's just saying, look, we'll just be friendly with everybody. But you, it's much, much better to have relationships with those countries and be able to talk about things instead of the only answer is some new missile. That's exactly right. I mean, it's almost almost like the very first time I called you. Yeah. You, know, you thought I was going to be coming, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I almost didn't take the call. I had to think about it. <laughs> I, I, had no, I had no phone to pick with you. And, you know, they, and I was turning them up, Bruce, and you were cutting back Kevin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's it. There's been some great calls coming in. It's always nice to hear what Matt has to say. The guy from Canada was good. And, uh, you know, back to that Trudeau, I didn't know much about Trudeau, but I watched him try to d- debate Trump. Now, you can't take a spoiled rich kid that never had to work and have him debate a Donald Trump or any other astute businessman. It doesn't work. But Trudeau, the, the role is, if you're with people that know more than you, shut up and listen. Trudeau doesn't do that. And when we have a lot of other politicians that don't do it. And the other thing is, I don't think we should allow people with a law degree to become politicians. That's, that's a big problem because you know how lawyers are. If they know their client murdered somebody, they do their best to prove them not guilty. And that's how they run their life. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I understand it in the legal system. I, I actually believe in our legal system, and I know you have to have people that, you know, defend people, whether they're guilty or innocent, because the whole point is without that system, we don't truly know whether they're guilty or innocent. I'm fine with that part of it. But you're right, and I understand that Congress is lawmakers. That's what they do. So clearly attorneys would be you know, qualified for some of that. But, uh, you know, what we have really are people who go to school to become attorneys only because their aspirations are to be politicians. That's the problem. That's right. That's the problem. They're, they're not even good lawyers. They, they have no pre- – well, look at Joe Biden. I mean, he he was a politician so early in his life. He has zero world experience in the real world. All he knows is politics. That's correct. And how come nobody ever asked to see his tax returns? 
Uh, you know what? I'm fine if people don't want to show their tax returns. I don't believe that just because you're a politician, you have to give up those rights. But um, the, I, 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 I realize that. Why do we even need to see that? I mean, we just need to use a little common sense. If he's been in Congress his whole life, we know how much money he made. How do you get to be so wealthy when that's all you've made your whole life? Politicians don't get paid all that well. They look it looks like it to the average American who might be making 40 or 50,000, but for the most part, most people who make what politicians make, you know, for their entire life usually don't end up being worth tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't need to see their tax return to know something weird's going on. But the Democrats kept wanting to see Trump's oh, tax yeah. return. Yeah. Well, we, why aren't Republicans well, Biden? Here's the other thing about seeing their tax return. I've been doing tax returns for 30 plus years, and there's no way I could make heads or tails of somebody's tax return like Trump's. It's impossible. It takes a team of, of accountants to understand what's in there. Our system is way too complicated. And when you start talking about people who own multiple businesses in multiple different industries, you can't figure out their tax return. Right. And if you stop and think a major resort employs about a thousand people. Yeah. They have one employee per, I'm just, I'm driving down now. I'm going to have to get off here soon because i got to figure out where I'm going. But they have one employee per guest. But now that's because they have to cover it 24-7. Right. So if Trump has 20 resorts or 20 big hotels, which he probably has more, he has at least 20,000 employees. When was the last time you heard one of them get on radio or television and complain about the Trump family? I don't, I've never heard it. And you, you have to know that if our media could find those people, they'd plaster them all over the news. That's right. All right. Well, I'm coming into Charleston, West Virginia, so I must go. There you go. All right. Love that place. Uh, we'll, we'll get Take you back. Care. We're going to be doing Great. this um, multiple. I'm going to be doing it at least once a week and uh, maybe even a special pop-up show now and then. Let's uh, let's go to Iowa. Wojtek, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Uh, interesting show. Uh, yet another proof that you're a masochist. <laughs> Why would you want to do this to yourself? <laughs> I don't know. I agree with you. I can't help myself. I must be a masochist. Uh, <laughs> you know no Democrat or liberal is going to call and say, no, you are wrong. Biden is doing a great job. Why? You can't ask me that question because that is hate speech. <laughs> nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to do that. Not, I mean, I'm assume, let's assume, statistically speaking, you do have some liberal listeners, um, but I don't think anybody will call. But uh, here's my analysis of everything you talk about. Uh, and many good points have been made already. But here's my take on the politics, the people. You have to analyze everything, all the actions, through a lens of psychology and human behavior. There are, the, the human, humans can be 
distilled into two categories uh, when it comes to how they govern their life decisions that they, they make and the type of people they become either collectivists or individualists and everything that is uh, that how, how people develop their psychology, their, their moral uh, base could be distilled to roughly that description. And what I mean by that is just like in nature, it's sub- mostly subconscious and the, the left is very adamant about not bringing that to the surface because of the fact that they uh, cater to the more collectivist uh, ideology. But the collectivist, just like in nature, is weakness is in being alone and being dependent on only yourself. For opposite is an individualist, a, a person or an animal who will thrive in environment that they have to only rely on themselves for survival and they can stand up to any kind of uh, external pressures by themselves. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the collectivist in a society collectivized, as the name suggests, and because they are in a group, their personal responsibility goes out the window. Uh, any kind of uh, moral responsibility for their actions goes out the window. That is why Antifa uh, wear masks because they don't want to be uh, known as individuals because then you know, personal responsibility may knock on their door one day. That's a good point. And, and that is why they, just, they, they, they are emboldened to do things like what they what you described in Portland, you, you're and I'm kind of puzzled at your confusion as to why do they do that? Why? Well, because that is that's their mo. They don't care that it's immoral. They are shielded and kind of emboldened by the fact that they don't have to answer personally, individually for. Uh, their crimes, or they don't even have to ask themselves or each other, is what we're doing more right or even logical. So, yeah, that's it. Serves a purpose. They are a blunt. They are a blunt tool to a to a cause, right? And what I'm uh, this is not gonna this this may sound like uh, callous or conspiratorial, but. The, the, the way to fight that is with fire. You got to fight fire with fire. And the problem is that the right brings a daisy to a <laughs> fight and the other people are bringing an ax. Yeah, you're and right. And what you got to do is you, you got to bring a bigger ax. And the, the re- part of the reason for that is because everybody knows it's obvious that as soon as there's any kind of... Uh, retaliatory violence from the right in situations like what took place in Portland, it will be plastered all over the news. You know, it's, 
propaganda. It's, it's, it's obvious. And that is ma- mainly why uh, right side uh, groups are not taking up, uh, you know, violence, yeah, no, violent I, actions against Antifa. I, that all makes sense. So, so uh, go ahead. But what I, the point I was going to make is that I think, I mean, this is my personal belief that uh, if somebody breaks into my house with a gun to rob me, I don't care. May, their intentions may not be to murder me or my family. But the fact alone that you, you, you come into my house and violate that, uh, that violate my privacy and my safety of me and my family, you're getting blown to bits. Yeah, I agree. It's me or you, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear you into pieces with a spoon if I have to. And no amount of apologizing or begging for your life is gonna save help you because you already crossed that threshold of humanity. And, and you and made that, is what's that going choice on in the yeah. political space. Yes, you made that choice. And that's what's going on in the political uh, arena and in social arena. The the left is becoming more and more like the Bolsheviks over a hundred years ago. And you got to study history to understand where we're going. And all the, like this, this information board and whatever the hell it's called, it is straight up the secret police in the Soviet Union. It's exactly it, 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 what it is. Yes. It's exactly the same. So, so you know, just open up a history book that hasn't been censored, and you you'll know exactly where they're going because, like the caller previously said, there is no end goal for them. Their, their end goal is perpetual control and perpetual violence. You know, just that's how they stay in power. Just the fact that this board was formed within the Department of Homeland Security, which most people don't know much about. It doesn't sound big and scary right. like the CIA or, you know, Black Ops or the KGB. It, you know, those things all sound a little scary. Department of Homeland Security. It sounds like they're there to protect us. But why, why yeah. do they have more weapons and more ammunition than any other organization in our country except the DOD? And why are they the ones running this? But what you just said makes a lot of sense. This, this is an agency of enforcement. Yeah, exactly. And they want to uh, police their own citizens and their own uh, any kind of um, people that would rise up against them, which yeah. is why the attack on the Constitution and the Second Amendment, you know, the left doesn't want anybody making their own weapons. That's why they're make, taking, making moves to uh, try to eliminate that with the recent legislature. But anyway, uh, the, the, my point is the confusion of the right as to, oh my gosh, why would they do that? You're operating from a base of your own morality. Uh, you're right. I know. And I, and I, it's hard not to. Because I, I would not, right, because I would not walk up to anybody on the street and provoke violence. And I'm, I'm, that, that's my morality. But when somebody does that, and a lot of people would say, oh, you know, if somebody breaks into your home and then 
you approach them with the gun, they may get scared and say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I want to run away. Well, that's, you know, a Christian would say, okay, turn the other cheek, you know, let, let him go. I... Yeah, no, I, I, think I, I know what you're trying to say, and I feel the same way. If they come back, or they'll go to somebody else's house and Correct. do the same thing, or yep. maybe they will, they will put a loaded gun to a pregnant woman's stomach and hold her at gunpoint, and then um, should they be considered a martyr? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there are. But there, the left sure does. There are certain lines you don't cross, and once you do, there's no going back. And, and that's one of them. Violate right, exactly. Violate a safe exactly. space like that. You made that decision consciously, and once you cross certain lines, in my mind, there's no going back. You, you've put me at way too much risk for me allow for me to allow you to do this. Right, and I think that. Until the, the the right or the, and, and I'm not in love with the right because the the whole left right is is uh, it, it's a, flawed, yeah. In, in, it, 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 it's flawed, but it's intentionally uh, the politicians that at least are intentionally putting people up against each other in the descriptive right. side. Uh, because if they're if, if the society is fighting each other and and, and blaming each other for this or that. Nobody's looking at the elite and yeah, there you uh, go. throwing up, you know, going into let me, a revolution. Let me ask uh, you something, because you, you've obviously thought a lot about this, and I don't disagree with anything you've said. Um, and this doesn't really matter, except maybe really long term. When we talk about this, you know, people are either individuals or collective, and there's obviously some gray in there, but I get what you're saying, and I, I don't disagree with that. That old argument that we always talk about, is that nature or nurture? Are we born with with that almost like hardwired into us, or is that completely taught, or is it somewhere in between? I think it is uh, a little bit of both, but I would say, I mean, it's, it's, to generalize things like this, it's, uh, it is, a lot of it is nurture, but not just from the perspective of the family, but also your environment. The society, right. Uh, the society and, and your, your physical, physical environment. Somebody that is, that is brought up in, in Africa uh, where, where they have to be you know, in, in a small village, let's say, where they don't have social services, but they can count on the support of the village and your, your, your close community, I think would be more inclined to be individualistic. This may sound counterintuitive, but they know that they can only count on themselves and the people around them that they know. Instead of their government that's far off in oh, town you, or wherever, right? You make a really good point because at first I was a little confused. You were saying, somebody, "Yeah, go ahead." Right. But if somebody is brought up, but, but if somebody is brought up in a city, let's say, no matter where, that does have those social programs and structures of support, 
they may not be so inclined to, you know, they have a job, their family has a job, everybody is kind of, you know, seeking out a living in, within a society. They may be, and the social programs are there, they may be more inclined to say, oh, if I lose a job, there's always unemployment, there's always this, I don't have to, you know, you know nobody's going to take me in. Yeah, so, you, you, you bring up a really social, good point. Social structure does play... Yeah, if, if we go back and think about this, um, part of the reason we ended up like this as humans is because, honestly, in nature, it's almost impossible to survive completely on your own. It, we, we, we were pack animals for a reason. We almost had to be to survive. Right. But this, there's a weird conundrum here. Um, if I'm going to, and we can accomplish more as groups. There's no doubt about that. We accomplish amazing things when we come together and work together. But the interesting conundrum here is if I'm going to have a group, I want everybody in that group to be a really strong individual. And that's not typically what happens. We get these groups where everybody wants to depend on everybody else, but then you also have to have some sort of skill or value that people depend on you for. Right, but that's that's what the collectivists are. The collectivists are people that believe that everyone else is responsible for <laughs> yeah. everything and me. Yeah, and, so, so that, that that that's that's where the lack of personal responsibility comes into play. And, and when I, if I think about um, just everyone I know personally and how their views on the world and politics are. And I, and I correlate that to their personality and their profession and just, just them as a whole. Everybody that has a left-leaning ideology and, is, and I hear talking about, oh, how great they're going to cancel my student debt. They all have student debt. Everyone that doesn't have student debt is more of an individualist. And they've worked to not have student debt. They're either self-employed, a business owner, uh, in the trade. Everybody that is left-leaning, they all either work for the government or some big corporation. And they all have student debt. The professionals, you know, attorneys, doctors, or engineers. But none of them had to risk everything they have, start a business, and rely solely on themselves to make it work. It was always, oh, I'm just going to go to school, pay this money that I don't have, and get this job in a company I didn't have to build, and have a job where I don't have to worry about securing that next contract, making the payments, it's a social program, basically. You know, I've been trying to figure out every time I talk about this issue why this one makes me more crazy than anything else I talk about politically. The southern border, crime, inflation, fuel prices, drilling, all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it bothers me. Um, I, I, you know, because I, it insults everything you've done in your life. I, I think you're right. I That's think right this, there. this issue. It insults everything you've done and yeah. I've done in your life. Yeah, I think that makes sense now. You I couldn't understand why this was you, such a big issue for me. You, right. You, 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 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I never took a handout from anybody. And when a bastard like Obama comes in and tells you that you didn't build this business oh, by yeah. yourself, oh, yeah. you didn't no. take a paycheck for three years by yourself, you didn't almost lose everything by yourself. I mean, come on. It, right. That, that's why that, I think, is, is, is um, very sore subject. Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. To take aside the fact that it's completely logical, it's complete BS. Yeah, right, Nothing, right, none right. of that is going to happen, you know. And and by the way, those endowments you were talking about—they're in the billions of dollars. I, the numbers are so big, I and can't get my head around never, them. What, you know, those. But, but listen, to, to, to control those endowments and to control the student debt is to control the future uh, generations of forced labor. We are nothing but tax cattle to the government. Why would they pay off the debt and then not have an incentive for you to, or for those future college-educated people to go to work? Yeah. If you have no debt, right? You, you, you. They're, 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 it's a whip. It's a whip that they use to force people into voting for eliminating student debt. Yeah. Which is not going to happen because I mean it's it's, it's a financial decision that people, most people don't understand and the government, just like mortgages, you know, that people, they want, that is created, that creates money. Yeah. So if people yeah. stop buying that's, houses, if people stop buying houses, there's no more money created. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, there's a huge market for that. On right. the, on the, on the, yeah. It's all vaporware. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. Hey, uh, Wojtek, I'm glad you called in today. I was hoping you would. Uh, we'll do more of this. I'm, I'm absolutely very, very pleased with the first show here. It's awesome. I'm going to take one more call, maybe two. I've got another one coming in. Um, let's go to Iowa. John, uh, welcome to the program. Hey, would you be willing to put me back on hold, Kevin? Sure. I think... Uh, Thank you. I, yep. I'm, I'm sorry about that. No, that's okay. I'll do that. Um, I know there's another call in the queue right now. Uh, Angie, if you want to grab that call in the queue, make that the last one. Um, I'll take that call, and then I'll go back to John here in a minute. Um, let's go to – thank you, Angie. Let's go to Nebraska. Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, I'd like to talk about these student loans here. I hold student loans, and I can assure you the government loans are nowhere near a private loan. A private loan is like your mortgage, your credit card, and all that. When you do these federal loans, you don't have a clue what your payment's going to be. You don't have a clue what your terms are. It's not on the financial aid form that you fill out. There are no terms. And then what happens is once you get your degree, I went for construction management, 50 grand, four years. And it was, it came out 300 months, however, income based. The, the, the finance charts 10%. And I think the reason why they're going back is because the government Basically, they, they come up with this, with this, with this rate. It, this was way back in 04 to 08, and then you have six months, so I started paying basically 
at the end of 08 and 09. Uh, there's other people that the interest rate is 6%. And that's through Mohila and uh, Navia. I had no problems paying off the, um, the, the private loans because you would, you would have no problem. And when you're looking at $400 a month for a student loan, that's half of a mortgage. That's so, nuts. So, well, now, granted, well, I paid all well, mine hold, back. Hold on. Hold on, because I could jump in there and say I borrowed money multiple times to start and keep my business running, and there were times where I had payments much bigger than 400 a month. Nobody's talking about paying any of my loans right. back. Right, but you're talking about a student who basically, we, you've already said, they don't teach financing in school. That's one thing they will not teach you is money. For some reason, they will not teach you that. So, However, once you get out, let's be honest, you're making roughly 50000 Once you get out, that's your pretty much set rate. Well, then you're going to do income based on that. So basically, your first whole check that you get paid, that's go to a student loan. Now you're left with three other checks. Well, let me ask you something, because there, there are they certainly do. things you're saying that I agree with, but I want to really cut to the chase. And I'm not disagreeing with what you've said so far. We can go back and talk about it more. Is your answer that the government should pay off these loans? No, they should not. Because in order for me to get out of debt, I sacrificed. Correct. I got rid of of everything. I drive a truck. And what happened was you use the company as your room and board. You don't have to pay to have housing. The company pays for your house. Oh, I, I agree. Okay. I mean, so truck driving is a pretty truck driving is a pretty awesome career these days. When you make a hundred thousand and and not have to have living expenses for the most part, um, that's a pretty incredible opportunity. Right. Yeah. So, I, I'm not saying that the student loan program was run correctly. The opposite. I started off by saying this is the reason college is so expensive because of our student loan program is such a mess. But even if we agree to all the things you said, which for the most part I do, I can still say you knew all of this, but you or anybody else who signed these papers, you knew all of those conditions existed or you could have. You knew you didn't know what you were going to be paying. You you knew that it was a weird government loan. But they don't have to tell you it's your responsibility to know those things before you sign legal documents involving money. Right, but you tell me a legal document that does not have the terms on it. Then don't sign it. Then look at it and go, wait a minute. Why would I sign a binding legal document when I don't know the terms? So it's still an individual choice. I don't care. I don't. Then then your parents better fix that because it comes down. It comes down to what you're preached in school. I'm, I, don't, I don't disagree with you because the whole logic is, yeah, the government, they push these loans to get this money. Correct. That's the whole idea. That's what has to it. change. Okay. That's my point. That's what has right. to change the entire program. The answer to fixing this is not let all these people off the hook and put it on the backs of all the people who didn't get this advantage. That's the worst thing you could do in this situation. That is the worst thing. 
because their whole logic behind that is to, okay, we're going to take that $10,000 that this person has and we're going to put it into the economy. However, you eliminate these student loans and people's credit scores are going to go kerplunk. And now what are they going to have? You got people that go to terms on these things. We're talking 300 months. Who the hell is going to go 300 months on the student loan? At three four hundred dollars a month—that's that's that's nuts. Then don't sign it in the first place. I I agree to that. I don't don't get me wrong. I agree to that. But there are numerous people that have went through this and they keep falling for it year after year after year. You're seventeen. Let's go back when you were seventeen. How many dumb things did you do? That you had to pay for lots. Well, that's the difference. You learned? I learned because it was painful. What I'm fighting against is allowing our government to take away that pain. Make them feel that pain so they don't do it again. You don't have people that want to basically give up things in order to pay it back. That's the problem. I don't care what they want. I don't want a lot of things. I don't want to have to pay back all the money I borrowed to get my business up and running. I don't want to have to pay back all the stupid mistakes I made, but that's how life works. Right. That's how life works. But I'm just telling you from someone who had student loans, that's the whole deal. And they preach it. They preach going to school for the stupidest things. And it's just, it goes back to, um, there was this documentary about Elizabeth Warren about credit card companies and all of that, about the, 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 the uh, interest rates and all that. How they used to go scalp college kids to sign up for oh. these damn credit cards. Well, oh. she, was all, she was all against all of that. Well, the funny thing is, is they're doing the exact same thing right now with student loans. Do you want to know who was one of That's the biggest funny. supporters of those credit card practices? And it's well documented. It, well, well documented. Ooh. Who supported those companies, helped those companies, and received an awful lot of money from those companies? Biden. Check his history. He's a huge supporter of the credit card industry and their practices. Well, it's it just it, it, it basically unless you're paying it off, it's a trap. Yeah, we, go, we go, all know that now. Go look you at his voting record. You're screwed. Yeah, go look at his voting record. Look, look at the companies who have lobbied him and have supported him and donated money to him for decades. And it's big banks and credit card companies with their, um, you know, let's go get college kids in debt right off the bat. They already have student loans. Let's give them some credit cards. Let's put them completely in debt. Um, yeah, that's my point, that the whole system has to stop. We should not be loaning right. tens or hundreds of thousand dollars to 18-year-olds who have no skills and no ability to pay and, it back. Right. And then you've got the ones that basically use uh, that same money that they get, and then they live off that. Yes. All yes, they college. do. And now and we're... They wonder why they're over $100,000. Yeah, and now we're going to let them not pay it back. That would right. that would yeah. I will say that 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 one makes me a little insane. But my my whole my whole deal is if, if I could uh, I'd love to give you my uh, 
my uh, financial aid for him when I was 17. Oh, no, Nothing look, to do uh, with terms. You uh, would be amazed. No, I, I'm familiar with it. I don't, I never took a student loan. Never. I mean, the little bit of college I have, I paid for myself. Um, my son did though. My son went to a very, very expensive culinary academy, and I paid for some of it as his graduation present, and he had to get student loans for the rest, and he paid them all back. I know what the system was like. I understand it. I saw all the forms. I knew what he was getting himself into. He made that decision, but he also made the decision to pay it all back. Where's his money? Yeah, but here's the thing. Was they? I, I I agree with it. I I, I want my money. They're, they're going right. to pay off. Where's my money? But my thing is, were those federal or were those private loans? Federal. He got federal. No, here. he got federal student loans. He, he would have. Yeah, he wouldn't have been able to get private loans. They, they hand out private loans a hell of a lot easier than they do. No, the, he, he got the, the federal. He loans. got the federal student loan, and he paid it all back. Because if you go through Chase or Wells Fargo, their educational, they got the terms right there. Yeah, you, but, you know exactly what but, the but, finance but, charges. But you know it, everything. It's, it's a little deceiving to call those private loans. They're only administered privately. The government guarantees the money. Right. They're but just they're, they're, those. The they're just academic world. They're just paperwork pushers. I know, but they're just paper pushers. They're they they have no risk. That's a government loan. Right. Right. So I, I, I right. don't, so I don't even is, like the term private loan. That's misleading. That's a government loan being administered well, by a private company that the government pays them handsomely to administer. But, you, but here's the thing. You don't even hear anything about governments. Or you hear everything about government student loans. You don't hear anything about but, the student loans but I, with but, Discover, Chase, and all of them. But because I consider them all government loans. That's my point. They're not private. They're government. Right. You may, but it, but in terms of the college world, that is a private loan. Well, you can call it that all you want. That doesn't. And, I mean, you right, can. Right. You can call a, a a swimmer with balls a woman, but it doesn't make it true. Right. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is that's what everyone is the, the swamp down on the federal loans, which they. They need to just do away from them. That's the problem with the government getting their hands in there and getting everything messy. If they didn't, if they just let everyone, all the schools do their own thing, there wouldn't be a problem. Well, it would be what it is. I, I, you and I don't disagree on much, really. I, I, I agree. It's like the whole system has to go. It, it, we created the problem. Now they're trying to perpetuate the problem. Uh, let's go back to Iowa. John, you ready? Yeah, ready this time. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, this has been a great conversation today. I've enjoyed it yeah, with I'm, everybody. The callers have been uh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. And, and most of the things I was going to hit on has already been said with the student loan stuff. And I, I don't believe I should have to pay for anybody else's child's student loans. No. If they forgive it. And, and, and oh, oh, I can't believe we waited all that time and we lost him. And, uh, Angie, this will be the last call. So, um, 
don't screen anymore. We're, uh, I actually have a conference call coming up here in a little bit. I never thought we'd go this long today. What am I on? Uh, well, I'm coming up on three and a half hours today with no commercials. Uh, we're going to go to Pennsylvania. Pete, welcome. Hey, Kevin. I'm glad you mentioned about the uh, endowments from the colleges because there's a load of money there. Oh, it's, uh, it's, the reason it's, I'm calling, it's obscene. Though, now, here's what that tells yeah. us. Here's what that tells us. Um, when it comes to free markets and capitalism and all that, you know, I know that Apple has a billion dollars in cash sitting around. They earned every penny of it in a free market. Nobody was forced to buy their products. Nobody was given, you know, outrageous loans to 18 year olds to be able to afford their products. So I, I don't begrudge them all that cash they have. That's just good management and good business. When colleges have this kind of surplus money, all it tells me is they're overcharging for their product and the government allows them by handing out all this money and now they, they want nobody to even pay it back. Well, it's a racket, just like everything else they got their hands in. But the reason I called is I've heard, and I'm pretty, I don't usually share anything unless it's something reputable, but I think I've heard this on the Will Cow majority on Patriot that Elizabeth Warren earns a half a million dollars a year either teaching or taught one class at whatever college she belongs to. Uh, somebody should, can verify that, but I don't share unreputable information, so I've never heard it being challenged. I, I've heard it. I, I, I assume that it is true. I guess I shouldn't assume um, it wouldn't surprise me if it were true. And if this wasn't a college, if it were a true private business, I would have no issue with that whatsoever. Pay people whatever you want. Sure. If you think there's value in paying somebody a half a million dollars to do an hour's worth a week, uh, whatever it might be, yeah. fine, that's your money. But unfortunately, we yeah. know that colleges exist and have so much money because of us, the government. And the government is us. They, they use our money. The, the, the system is broken from start to finish, just like we just heard from somebody. You don't even know what your terms are. Well, who the hell would ever sign a loan when you don't know what the terms are? But we can because the government lets you off the hook anyway. And now they want to let people off the hook in a big way. So I do have a problem yeah. with a college who can afford to pay people just to speak or teach one class because technically they did not earn that money in a free market. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how do I get uh, to be a beta tester? Uh, send an email to, uh, are you on, in either one of the tribes? Nah, I will be though. I mean, it's a good value. So, well, no problem with technically that. we, I'm, I'm we, usually talking to all my coworkers yeah, all day which, long. So I which, don't listen that much. Yeah. Which is good. Here's the thing about the beta testers. We, we have a group on both sites on each site for the beta program to work. So that's how we get our feedback. I really, Aaron wouldn't be able to manage a beta program if he had to talk to every single person in the beta test individually. So you'd have to at least be in one of the tribes so that you could be in one of the groups. And the easiest way is once you're in the tribe, 
you can tag people. So you put the at symbol and then you start typing their name and you would want to tag either Angie or Aaron and their name comes up and you choose the name and then they get notified and you would say, hey, I'd love to be part of the beta program. All right. Sounds like a plan. And we appreciate it. All right, Kevin. We keep really up the do. good work. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Thanks for the call. Right. I really want to thank everybody for an awesome show today. I'm, uh, I'm very, very encouraged by our debut show of The Pit. Much, uh, much better than the last time I attempted this. Now, I, we had some great feedback from people, things I hadn't thought of, things I didn't realize. I love that. That's how we all learn. I really do wish we could get some other opinions in there, really. And let's just say it. I wish I could get some people who voted Democrat to tell me what they think about all of these issues that we brought up. Because for the most part today, even though there are people who brought different points of view and certainly added and I learned things, um, I'd really like to hear from the other side. And... Uh, I just don't. Maybe maybe that'll change this time. We'll see. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks so much for joining me. We will see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. Do I have something planned this week? Oh, yeah, we'll also uh, we'll be doing um, After Hours with Kevin and Lauren. We will be highlighting our first one-on-one case so you can learn more about our discovery call process and our one-on-one process and how it works and how we're able to help people and what the whole process looks like. So another big day lined up for tomorrow. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.